1: Everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined today by Josh Norris with the AAA National Championship game taking place on Tuesday. The minor league season, for all intents and purposes, is done. We've brought Josh in to kind of break down the best and worst of the 2019 minor league season for us. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Big picture, when you look back on the 2019 minor league season, what stands out to you the most?
0: I mean, obviously the story was the baseballs. They were very interesting in AAA, and uh, everyone saw it from day one till close, and that was pretty much anybody could talk about at the big leagues and in the minor leagues. You know, the home run rates spike, the home run rates spiking out of control. Um, that was it all year long. Was just these baseballs are titleists, they're super balls, etc. I'm probably the only person who didn't have a super problem with it. Um, I like home runs, so I was okay seeing more of them when I went to Durham. Although I don't recall seeing like pop-up home runs that everyone else did. Maybe that was just luck of the draw for me. Um, but that was the storyline of the minor league season. How do you think?
1: It has to be the balls. It was really interesting for me. I made a habit of asking pretty much every scout I talked to what they thought about the balls and how they were assessing power now. And it was really interesting seeing the differences of opinion. I had some scouts say, I love it because now I know what it's going to look like in the major leagues to a degree. I had other scouts say, I don't know what this means for what a guy's real power is. I'm just going to stick with what I put on them at double I had others who just outright hated it, said it was a joke, said it was ruining the game. And it wasn't just old scouts saying that. Sometimes it was younger scouts too, uh, you know, highlighting players. Uh, An example would be, Mike Strebsky, who we saw for Norfolk a few years back, really good defender, good ball player. Power was not his game in any way, shape, or form. Went to the PCL this year with Sacramento and found a bunch of power. But then we saw it translate at the Major League Level 2. He's hit 20 home runs playing in San Francisco. So I think even for some of the criticisms of it and how it was turning guys who had no power into power hitters, we saw some of them, not all, but some of them carry that into the majors. Um, so I do think there is some, you know, correlation to reality here. It wasn't just A is a video game and everyone's going to come crashing back to earth in the major leagues because they're using the same ball. Right. I mean, I wrote a story about it
0: at some point this year saying, you know, how, if you're a scout, do you grade power anymore? And you see a guy who has five power at AA, and you're going to bring him to AAA and he's going to get the Super Bowls. Do you uh, just leave it as a five? Do you give it a six? Do you add 10 home runs to his total? However, that corresponds to your internal grades, et cetera. And, you know, there was a lot of interesting factors about it. What quality of the contact he's making. Uh, look at the distance on the home runs. Look at the swing, et cetera. Uh, is he a, a launch angle guy to begin with? All that stuff. And it it was a really interesting uh, article out there if you want to go onto our website and click on it. But it's an adjustment that scouts had to make, and I think they did make this year and probably will continue to make next year, assuming they don't mess with the balls again.
1: I also thought one of the interesting things you mentioned, you know, quality of contact, making sure the home run is, you know, really going. It's not just a pop-up home run. Uh, The first time I ever really covered the minor leagues was in high desert uh, in 2011-2012 and as you know people who follow the miners know that place was just a home run launching pad. You were at elevation, it was hot weather, wind was blowing out so you had a lot of ridiculous home runs and people putting up numbers they weren't really capable of and what evaluators talked about there was the same stuff you know just are they squaring balls up, are they gone in any park or is this a quote-unquote high desert home run uh, they do that to some degree in Lancaster, too, now. But we've seen that expand on kind of a grand scale, you know, in some ways throughout the entire Pacific Coast League, uh, the western half of it. It was already present there to a degree. And really all across to, to AAA now. And, again, it's not a bad thing. I mean, looking more at the quality of the swing, the quality of the contact. Scouts were already doing that to begin with. Um, but I think now it just kind of is reinforced as more important, you know, look at the bat off the ball as much as where the ball lands,
0: Right. Um, you know, that that's true for a lot of other parks, too. It's not just the PCL. I mean, uh, there are some places that give you a boost without the ball. Uh, Amarillo, Hodgetown, is essentially uh, Texas League Lancaster. Charlotte uh, is a home run haven. Uh, there's a lot of parks around the minor leagues that are like that. Uh, Asheville in the South Atlantic League is a home run hitter's dream. Everett in the Northwest League, I believe, had a pretty high park factor. So, you had to take some other stuff into consideration to begin with it wasn't just the balls but the balls exacerbated it um, a little more than it had been in previous years
1: we've talked about how the balls affected hitters how scouts evaluate hitters how did they evaluate pitchers in your discussions with them because all of a sudden now pitchers who were having I, I know I just uh, putting together the Pacific Coast League top 20 I have pitchers with ERAs in the sixes that scouts love and think are going to be really good big leaguers you
0: know I really didn't get
1: into that side of it
0: with the story. But I, I'd imagine they applied the same thing. You say, if these, if these pitchers are giving up pop-up home runs, you might want to say, okay, this would be a normal fly ball in a real world. Or you say, well, this is the, the reality that they're going to deal with in the big leagues. Uh, they may not, uh, their particular pitch package may not work in the big leagues. If they're going to you know work up in the zone a lot with velocity that doesn't get
1: by hitters' bats, then they may be in trouble. One of the biggest challenges for me, uh, ranking the hitters, the Pacific Coast League top 20, or the pitchers, excuse me, uh, was was figuring out, okay, which of these pitchers is it showing us that the stuff won't be good enough at higher levels with the way the balls are versus how much they, you know, maybe just staying out of the strike zone because they're afraid this ball that they're, you know, that might be an out in Pecco Park is going to be a 400-foot home run in El Paso or Albuquerque or Reno and pretty consistently, you know, Peter Lambert, Logan Allen, Justice Sheffield, and Patrick Sandoval. Those were four pitchers who did not pitch particularly well in the Pacific Coast League, but scouts across the board, managers across the board of the league. So they liked what they saw. They saw the ingredients, they saw all the factors for them to be uh, in some cases, mid rotation starters, likely back of the rotation starters, just because they saw stuff. Uh, they saw varying degrees of feel. Uh, in some cases, these guys were, were not throwing enough strikes because they were staying out of the strike zone too much. They think that once they get into the majors, that'll, that'll be alleviated a little bit. Um, so that's going to be the interesting thing to me, seeing which of these pitchers who aren't the power top-end guys who you know have stuff to blow by hitters in the first place and have to rely a little bit more on command, hitting your spots, uh, changing eye levels, et cetera, et cetera, which of them are going to be able to succeed at the next level. Cause I still sensed a decent amount of optimism from evaluators on a lot of these young arms in triple a, even though the numbers were not good.
0: Yeah. I, I, I could see that. I could, I could see that uh, happening in the IL too. Um, I haven't really looked real hard at the IL, although I do have uh, a list here. I mean, there's guys like Mitch Keller, Kyle Wright, Brendan McKay, uh, Keegan Aiken, pitchers like that, who Bryce Wilson, who got enough love from scouts to, uh, to instill enough confidence in our guys to, to rank them as still potential big leaguers just by having to deal with uh, the crazy baseballs
1: in AAA. So we've talked about the overarching story of the year, players. You saw a lot of them this year at all levels, of the minors. Uh, same here, coast to coast. Who for you was the top player you saw this year? Not the guy that's number one on the BA uh, top 100, though that may be your pick, but who was the guy this year that made you say wow or really, really made an impression on you?
0: It's the guy that's number one on the BA top 100. Uh, It's Wander Franco. It's not even close. Um, The guy is a superstar waiting to happen. Maybe he he could debut at the end of next year. I mean, dude had a 400 on-base percentage as an 18-year-old in the Florida State League. That's, you know, that's comic book stuff. That's absolutely absurd. I had some stat that I wish I could find, but I think he's one of, like, I think he's the only player in the minor leagues to have 20 more walks than strikeouts. And again, he's 18 years old. Won't be 19 until March and was in the, low a and high a did really well in both those leagues like he didn't he demolished low a and was pretty darn good in a pitcher's league at high a while playing a pretty good shortstop and showing almost you know marvel or dc level uh plate discipline the the pitches the quality of pitches that he takes on the corners or edges of the strike zone are insane and the way he takes them, it it almost looks like he's annoyed that these pitches are balls and they're not in the strike zone for him to do damage on. You're not, I, 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 I keep getting um, amazed by the line of superstars we've had come through the minor leagues or potential superstars over the last couple of years. Uh, Acuna, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Jordan Alvarez, Wander Franco. I'm sure I'm missing somebody. That's east. Uh Yes, Fernando Tatis Jr. I'll forget him because I never really saw him because the Padres don't play here very often uh, or ever. Um, yeah, Tatis too. It's absurd, and Wander Franco, you know, deserves a spot in that uh, club. And frankly, coming right behind them is Julio Rodriguez, who I cannot wait to get to the Arizona Fall League and see.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I feel like I'm the guy... Oh, Luis Robert. Oh, yes, that is, uh, I'll get to my point in a second, but Luis Robert, what did he show you this year? You saw him a good bit once he came up to Charlotte. Uh, You saw him here at the end of the season against Durham. What do you expect from him moving forward? Because White Sox fans are very justifiably, extraordinarily excited about this guy.
0: Get excited. Stay excited. This is going to be a guy you might build a statue of outside of uh, their park someday. This guy is a center fielder. He's going to hit for average. He's going to hit for power. And he has the potential to be the face of the franchise. He's unbelievably skilled across the board. He lives up to the La Pantera nickname and then some. I saw, I mean, the first time I saw him this year, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, I saw nine at-bats and eight strikeouts, which I did not think was possible because I'm pretty sure that was like all of his strikeouts at this point. I've seen... I've seen the only two four strikeout games of his career, which is amazing and kind of made me hate my luck. But then you see him at AAA and you see the impact he can do with baseball and you can see the impact he makes with his legs and you can see the impact he makes with his glove or can make with his glove. And you you feel almost jealous that you're not a White Sox fan. They're gonna have so much fun over the next couple of years with guys like Eloy Jimenez and uh, Luis Robert and to, a lesser, to, to the same degree, Nick Madrigal, uh, uh, Michael Kopech, and possibly Dylan Cease as well. And just guys are going to keep coming. They've done a really good job uh, get, importing players into this organization. But anyway, that's a long way of saying I love Luis Robert. He's awesome. He was very close to our minor league
1: player of the year. Yeah, the White Sox. So you mentioned all those guys, and and by Tim Anderson is uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, he's the title. He's, he's great. Yeah, and Aaron Moncada has broken through in year three. Things are definitely beginning to look up for the White Sox. Luis Giolito had a breakthrough year as well. Um, I, I think we've seen you know the White Sox obviously go through some rough years, but you're really starting to see everything kind of point in the upward direction for them. And and Luis Robert, I think his jump from high to AAA this year. Uh, staying healthy. That had been an issue previously. Uh, It was just kind of, uh, you know, one of the more promising developments to the organization long-term.
0: I mean, there's a reason they gave him the eight figures they gave him. And boy, does it look, look like a good investment.
1: Yeah, you know what I was gonna say earlier, it's funny. Whenever I show up to the park, Wander Franco doesn't play well. I, I, I must be the only guy in the world who whenever I show up, Franco does not perform. It's kind of funny. So oh,
0: but I mean he's it, not certainly not jumped off the page when I've been there, but it's still the the fact that he's there, the fact that he's taking pitches, he's taking pitches, and the fact that he can he still is doing damage uh, from both sides of the plate. That level, it's just silly to me, and I cannot watch enough of him. Like, when he gets to Durham, I may as well just set up a tent outside the stadium.
1: He's certainly a talented player, again. I mean, you see all the tools. You see the performance for his age. He certainly jumps out the, off the page. There's a reason he's our number one prospect in baseball. Uh, and then regards to Luis Robert, you know, you kind of hit on it. It's everything he can do with his total game. He has so many ways to impact the game. Um, he's got power. When he squares a ball up, it's a thing of beauty. There's plenty of times he doesn't square the ball up, and you will see some poor contacts, but he can make things happen with his legs. I saw it in the fall League last year where he, you know, beat out an infield single, stole second, moved to third, and took home on a deep sack flat to center. Just electrifying things like that can really do some things with the glove. He's certainly an impressive player as well. For me, this year, I, I had the worst luck in terms of running into sea guys with injuries or timing. When Modesto came into town, Jared Kelnick was hurt. When Julio Rodriguez got bumped to Modesto, Modesto was not down here for me to see them. Um, I saw a lot of very good players this year. A lot of people who were certainly impressive. I didn't see anyone this year who made me go, you know, wholly expletive, like I did. Last year with Joe Adele, or the year before with Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, but I did see a lot of really, really good players, and that was just me and the schedule, and just kind of the way everything fell. There are definitely some holy expletive players in the minors right now. Mackenzie Gore, I saw a couple of times, and you just love the polish. You know, he's someone that just he looks like he's mature beyond his years out there. Has the four pitches, knows what to do with them. Again, like every young pitcher, the fastball command at sometimes, you know, isn't as sharp as you'd like it to be. The sharpness of the breaking balls can differ day to day, but that's true of guys in the majors. I mean, everything you would want to see from a 20-year-old left-hander, he has. Certainly impressive. Low-key, calm, Demeter goes out, gets the job done. You look up, it's like, man, he just dominated them and made it look easy. I think the guy was most explosive for me might have been Luis Patino. I mean, you see that that kid's arm and, uh, you know, it's been described as an angry fastball. That is the best way to describe it. That thing comes at you fast out of the hand. It's got some late, late life and explosiveness. Uh, I think he's the guy that in some ways makes you go like, whoa. But – Again, there's other parts of his game to figure out. But, again, he's 19. It's a huge arm. Um, I I think those were the two guys in some ways I would say were the best prospects I got to see in person this year. Uh, And then Joe Adele, only seeing him at the Futures game, he was the best player on the field. Uh, You know, turning around in a 100-mile-an-hour fastball for a single up the middle, uh, taking the pitches he was, making plays on defense. You know, I put a lot of stock in being the best player on the field, and Joe Adele. You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. was the best player on the field at the Futures Game a year ago, even though Taylor Trumel won MVP. This year, Joe Adele was the best player on the field of the Futures Game.
0: Um, I'll still take Wander, but uh, that's just because clearly I'm in love with Wander. <laughs> um, I, I I had my first uh, holy expletive moment. Uh, On the first day of the season, as a matter of fact, uh, I got off the plane from spring training and went to Peoria, and on one field was Mackenzie Gore, and the other field was Luis Patino. So that was a good day. Um, Mackenzie Gore was supernatural that day, and uh, Patino was pretty good pretty sure i got my ten thousand steps just going back and forth between fields one and two or whatever they were just which one is pitching now which one is pitching now who are they going to strike out next that was a really fun moment early in spring training i drove 11 hours to trenton uh to see matt manning and casey mys pitch um uh, matt manning was pretty darn good he wasn't perfect that day but his stuff is really good and he had the quietest uh season for a 20 year old to lead the Eastern league in strikeouts that I've ever heard. I I feel like he, he needs more love. He's got, I'm looking at it on the page here. He struck out 148 in 134 innings as a 20 or 21 year old in double A. That's pretty darn good. And then he got, and then you bring up that that same rotation. I didn't get to see him. uh, Justin Coleman did and he was wowed. But Tariq Skubal, I mean, 83 strikeouts, 49 in the third innings are you kidding me that's i mean i'm sure people are calling the league offices to say that's a typo that's got to be a typo right he just he just set fire to the eerie record books uh in a short time i wish he had qualified for it might not even have been 41 49 in the third innings because he doesn't qualify for the eastern league top 20 but he's going to rank pretty high in the florida state league top 20 and then uh one more uh, my favorite pop-up guy this year, Joe Ryan, um, he's, you know, I don't think a whole lot of people knew his name coming into this year. Seventh rounder last year out of Cal State Stanislaus for the Rays. But, you know, I looked up and I did some, had some fun with the fan graphs filters. He's the only guy I can find since 2006 who played above uh, rookie ball and pitched a hundred or more innings with 13 or more strikeouts per nine and two or few walks per nine all season. That's unbelievable. And he does it on the strength of this crazy fastball that gets so much just carry through the top of the zone that people swing it and miss on it a bunch of times. Like I saw him one day with the weirdest, one of the weirdest games I've ever seen three innings, nine strikeouts, 72 pitches. Cal Stevenson fouled off. A great many baseballs, as did uh, Alejandro Kirk, but he still got those nine strikeouts. And then the most amazing thing about him was, I saw him twice that week. In the first game, he's thrown a cutter, and a real true cutter, not something he's getting on the side of or getting throwing wrong. It's a cutter. The next outing, five days later, he's taken that cutter and adjusted it and made it a true slider, not a slutter slider with distinct slider break the the guy learns quickly and has the aptitude to take these things into games quickly he's got like four or five pitches he's changed amazingly in the last 18 months since leaving cal state stanislaus uh there's a story on the site that i wrote about him um i think he has uh maybe the highest ceiling of any under the radar guy
1: in the minors right now Yeah, he's definitely uh, impressive. And, again, the background with him, uh, he was considered, you know, uh, potentially a second or third-round pick coming out of Cal State Northridge, had some injuries, transferred to Stanislaus, and, uh, you know, kind of fell the senior sign there. But there is some track record here. This is someone who was on the radar at one point, uh, pitching in the Cape Cod League, and now we're starting to see, you know, everything kind of come to fruition with full health, what he can be. Um, you mentioned pop-up arms. Uh, It wasn't really a pop-up because he was a guy on the radar, but Josiah Gray, uh, who the Dodgers acquired from the Reds last year, that was someone that really impressed me in the sense of, you know, you knew he was someone to watch, uh, but seeing him, you know, his ability to hold 95 into the seventh inning, the slider was breaking really well. The day I was there, he did not have his changeup. I've talked to other scouts who have seen uh, a 50 grade changeup at, at other starts um, the competitive nature, you know, he pitched against Mackenzie Gore. He out Gore. I mean, he rose to the occasion and out him. And there's just a combination of stuff, of makeup. He was a fresh arm. He's converted position player at a Division II LeMoyne. I mean, cold weather, fresh arm, D2, just all these things that are supposed to mean you're raw or it's going to take a while. Uh, he hasn't had an issue. He rose up to Double A this year. Uh, pretty much destroyed every level he was at. You saw three pitches. You saw control. You saw competitive fire. Uh, this is a really impressive pitcher, and, and we've talked a little bit before about the Dodgers and you know their ability to just reload, reload, reload. That's mostly all been on the position player side. Obviously, Walker Buehler has been a huge reload guy as a pitcher, but for, beyond him, it's been mostly position players. Now we're starting to see the pitchers come up, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, and, and Josiah Gray at the rate he's going. That's just going to further strengthen the Dodgers long-term. I want to go back to something you said, though. You mentioned, you know, the White Sox, and we talked about how they're coming up. The Tigers, all the arms they have. You know, the Tigers right now have the worst record in the major leagues. Uh, It's been mostly the offense that has been absolutely horrendous. They're going to need bats and lots of them. Um, But seeing, you know, they have some interesting young arms at the major league level. You talk about this group coming up now. That was at A this year, which means they could be in the majors next year. I mean, when you look at the Tigers, Josh, just given the arms you've seen, how long before this team is competitive again in your eyes?
0: Boy, um, it's going to be tough. Like I said, the White Sox are coming up just as fast, and they've got a more diverse blend of, of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, the Indians have two of the better hitters in the game, although they're about to – I think they're about to face some um, some issues themselves with guys getting expensive, if I'm correct. Uh, the pitchers are really good, but I, I don't know if it's – it's a hard bet to make to build on lots of pitchers. You know, they fail at an alarming rate, and they might not be as good uh, – they may, they may not all reach their ceiling. You know, We saw Casey Mize was great this year in the first half. and Then his shoulder started barking. And then when he came back, his stuff wasn't the same, and they shut him down. So you know, there's one.
1: I'm in the same boat. Again, the Twins aren't going away. That's a really good young lineup. That's a good one too, yes. Good young pitchers. The Indians, some of their pitchers are getting a little bit older, but um, this is a, a, a staff – in terms of their pro scouts, that has been so, 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 so good at finding players. You still do have, you know, Shane Bieber, his development this year was huge. Mike Clevenger is still young. There's enough arms there, and, and they've they found a way to build enough of an offense that was an issue this year. But again, they made trades, bringing in Oscar Mercado last year, bringing in Fran Reyes and Yasiel Puig at the deadline. I trust in the Indians and the people in charge there to, to keep them humming along just fine. And the White Sox are on the rise. So I think it's possible, but I wouldn't expect a one- or two-year turnaround here. Again, I think the Tigers, like you mentioned, they're going to need to hit on some hitters uh, in the next couple of drafts. And Riley Green
0: is a nice start.
1: He is. He is. Um, But it's going to take more. You know, this isn't one top draft pick hitting away. They're three, four, maybe five. So again we'll see that you know there's a long road here uh this is really year one year two year one year two of the rebuild uh year two more likely more accurately i should say so um give it time we've seen these type of rebuilds take five years to complete really um so we'll see if they can get it done but there's definitely a nice group of arms there uh the potters are in a similar boat with a really good group of arms but uh, you know, it hasn't quite hit at the major league level like they'd hoped in terms of their position players yet. So we'll see what they do. Uh, the Reds are in a weird place. They tried rebuilding. They lost the patience to rebuild. They they went out and acquired some veterans and that's not working either. So, you know, I, I did write a little while ago, how not all rebuilds work for everyone that does everyone points Astros, Cubs, Astros, Cubs, Astros, Cubs. You can find four or five others that tried and failed. So Uh, that's going to be most fascinating to me is looking back a couple years ago and saying, okay, looking back in a couple years and saying, okay, which of these rebuilds worked? uh, You know, how the Braves rebuild, that has worked. The A's rebuild, that has worked. Um, Some others are stagnating, and and that's, what's going to be interesting. You know, when we kind of take the final stock of it, which three or four worked and which three or four did three or four didn't. And that's probably the ratio that's going to happen. What are you looking forward to moving forward into the fall league and then into next minor league season? Well,
0: for the fall league, I got two words for you, Julio Rodriguez. Um, I cannot wait to see that kid for seven days. I can't. I'm, I'm actually it's gonna be six days because I have what well, there's an off day in there. But by and large, he's gonna be this year's Acuna, this year's Vlad for me. Uh, other guys, his teammate Jared Kalanick, although he's not there yet, um, if, I, if I'm correct. I think he's delayed a little bit for some reason. Uh, Spencer Howard with the Phillies I want to see. Uh, Jose Garcia with the Reds, I believe, is on their roster. Um, try to think about who else I want to see on there. I mean, there's always guys that pop up. But I'll, I'll reiterate this. If you, you want to see next year's Futures gamers, next year's potential All-Stars, guys who might be in the playoffs next year. Go see the Fall League. Um, They're all pretty good, and there's some really, really talent. I mean, Peter Alonso was there last year. Dude's going to hit 50 home runs this year. Two years ago, you had Jordan Alvarez, who um, is pretty good, I think. I think Houston fans will keep him. Uh, You had Acuna, who got 40 bombs and might be a 40-40 guy. Uh, You know, you go on and on and on. Uh, A couple years ago, you had Aaron Judge in the Fall League. He's decent. Uh Vladdy <laughs> Guerrero Jr. pretty good as well. You know, there there are stars there who are being watched by crowds of hundreds, who will soon be watched by crowds of tens of thousands and on television by millions. If you if you go to the movies and you like the previews, go see the Major League Baseball previews in the Arizona Fall League. You know, coming soon to a stadium near you, and then you roll the footage and it's Pete Alonso and Nate Pearson. Flad Guerrero Jr. and all these guys it's the best time period
1: well that was certainly a great ad spot for the Arizona Fall League I'm sure the check is in the mail yeah. but no it's uh it, it is a great time I'll take direct deposit <laughs> it is a great time uh really no I don't think anyone ever goes to the Fall League and goes man that stunk like it's it's a great atmosphere to watch baseball a lot of talent on the field very low-key uh, it's just it's just a good time all around warm weather it's always good to be back in Arizona you know, I, I think for me, uh, what I'm going to be most interested to see moving into next year is we've seen a lot of our pitchers at the top of the top 100 and then get hurt and fall down. You know, I, I talked about in a meeting earlier this year, I, I called the escalator where guys are going up, and then they're going down, and sometimes it feels like we're spinning in circles where, hey, we're going to rep Force Whitley and Jesus Lazardo, and then they get hurt, we drop them down, we bring up new guys, and inevitably those new guys get hurt, we drop them down and bring up the next wave. Just we've seen the pitcher injuries just become so extreme. So I think for me, I'm just going to be continually interested to watch and see how the pitchers stay healthy in the coming years, what teams do to adjust that because there's so much talent that just falls by the wayside. And, and there's a lot about pitcher usage, but uh, we're still seeing guys go down even though they're being cautiously deployed. But I think that's going to be what i to be watching most next year is all the guys that are currently the top pitchers on our list. You know, you mentioned Casey Mize already had a shoulder bark, but you know, how does Mackenzie Gore stay healthy? How does Nate Pearson stay healthy? They've had DL stints in the past too, although, for more freak things than anything chronic um, and seeing if it's sustainable. Cause if not, you know, I know we've joked about the office, we should just reserve the top 10 prospects for position players only. And leave pitchers after that, because the rate at which they bust, or, or I shouldn't say bust, you know, get hurt or injuries hamper them from ever reaching their ceilings is so high. That's what I'm going to want to watch moving into next year is the pitchers and also how they deal with the triple A balls. Cause at some point, You have to face that level of competition to be successful in the majors.
0: Sure. I mean, for kind of one point you made there, like when I do my fantasy minor league draft, I, I no longer select pitchers done with it. Um, The last time I selected a pitcher, uh, I'm not going to say who it is. It went so poorly that this pitcher still has not pitched and will likely not pitch in the first term of the Trump administration. That I mean, that's it. It's a, it's a weird way to mark time. but What I'm saying is dude has not pitched in a while. You, Anderson, that's, what it was like.
1: that's the one. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to go hitters from here on out. <laughs> Completely understandable. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. And it was a blast covering the 2019 minor league season. This has been another edition of the baseball America podcast. Uh, go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure and check out baseballamerica.com right now. It's a great time to subscribe. League top 20s drop next week, followed by uh, the top 10s for each organization, uh, in the magazine and online. Uh, You're going to have hundreds of scouting reports. You can't get anywhere else. Uh, This is the time to subscribe to VA. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thank you for listening to another Baseball America podcast, everyone. Talk to you later.